friends. Carrie here from the Editing Bay. I know you are all expecting the National Treasure episode this week, but Ross and I have made a decision to rearrange some of our programming this month so that we can give you, you know, shoulder shake and extra special preview of our Patreon content coming up later this month. We're going to be rebroadcasting a previous episode this week, but... I promise you, it's all in the interest of good things to come, because after this week, we will be covering a very unique two-parter on one of Ross's favorite subjects, Oliver Stone's JFK from 1991. This episode on JFK is going to culminate in the 60th anniversary of the famous American tragedy in which John F. Kennedy was assassinated. It is going to be part Ross's History Corner, part Carrie comes apart at the seams because of frustration. It's going to be a good time. But the best part is, is that after that, we're going to get a super special sneak peek at our Patreon content for the rest of this year, which is the greatest high fantasy narrative that's ever been written and Peter Jackson's adaptation of The Lord of the Rings. So guys, look out for that for the rest of this month. It's going to be a good time. Again, if you haven't already, please go over to our Patreon, which is linked in the description. It's just $5 a month. Even if you sign up right now before all of the Lord of the Rings content drops, uh, you're going to get like over, I feel like a thousand minutes of content at least just for $5. So please go support us there. And we love you guys. We absolutely love you guys and your patronage. Thank you so much for your contributions. We love you and hope you continue to listen. Now, on to the rebroadcast of one of my favorite movies, one where I almost always cry, The Iron Giant. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where I'm Ross McMichael, work for the government. And I'm Karen McMichael, do not work for the government. No, you do not. No, you do not work for the government. And guys, I actually do work for the government. I don't know if I've ever said, <laughs> yes, but like... You do. Guys, this week we are covering the 1999 animated classic, The Iron Giant. You called it a classic? And I feel like this movie is severely underrated. It really, really is. Like, I really don't think that this has gotten the attention that it deserves. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at KickNStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write to the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. Guys, our, our last pick for July. Yeah, I know. We wanted to give it a little, uh, no, I can't say it. No, do it. No. Say it. Americana feel. <laughs> <laughs> a little Norman Rockwell motif. I mean, what's the name of the town? Rockwell, Maine. Exactly. You know where they picked that from. All right, ready for launch? <sighs> it's getting tedious with you. <laughs> I'd like to see you write a good segue. Your punny segues. You want me to, you want to see me write a good segue? Yeah. We'll have to go to the mall. Oh, boo! Ah, see? You're fired! Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) 
What are we looking at here, Mr. Manley? This is no meteor. This is something much more serious. Scout. Pat Mansley, you work for the government. I have something for you. Where did you find that? Up at the power station. Hogarth was out there the other night. Really? See anything unusual, Hogarth? No thing unusual, really. Oh, I guess you're not gonna hurt me, huh? My own giant robot, I am the luckiest kid in America! Where'd he come from? He doesn't remember. He's like a little kid. Little, yeah. <laughs> Sputnik. It's like that giant thing in the woods. We don't know what it can do. What are you talking about? You think this metal man is fun, but who built it? The Russians? The Chinese? Martians? Canadians? I don't care! You are going to tell me about this thing, and we are going to destroy it before it destroys us! We gotta show them you're good. You are what you choose to be. I'm Superman. We must stop it at all costs. Let's get out of here! Run! Ready to attack? My son is out there! We've got to help him! Hogarth, no! I'm swimming! Ah! Giant? Oh, God. So this project, The Iron Giant, is based off of a 1968 science fiction novel by British author Ted Hughes. He was the British Poet Laureate, guys. Yeah. Like, come on. Can you tell me who he was married to? I sure can, with just one quick click. No, 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 no. (laughs) Don't look it up. Don't look it up. You're making this hard. <laughs> Don't look it up. You're making it really hard. Are we really fighting over Move. a phone? Move. Are we really fighting over a phone Stop. in the recording booth Stop. right now? You're going to hurt your phone. <laughs> Who was he married to? <laughs> no, I do not know. Who was he married to? He was married to Sylvia Plath. Who's that? You don't know who Sylvia Plath is? Oh, I've heard the name. You've never read The Bell Jar? No, I have no idea what that is. Okay, fine. I'm so sorry. No, I I really don't know. I apologize. Well, Ted Hughes wrote The Iron Man as a way to help his children cope with the death of their mother. Oh! Yeah. Like, like if this movie didn't hurt you before, there you go. There's a brand new way for it to hurt you. Wow. I know. Oh, Carrie. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. Oh, Carrie. In lighter news, it was also adapted as a concept album by The Who's Pete Townsend. What? Yes, there is a whole album, whole concept album out there about the Iron Man. That's crazy. I know. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to drop a link in the description. Go check it out. We owe the writing of this movie to Tim Canley's, who is also responsible for Secondhand Lions. 
Ooh, I, I love that movie. I know. And then, of course, it was directed by Brad Bird. This is his directorial debut. Brad, it's lovely to see you. Guys, it's Edna Mode, <laughs> creator of The Incredibles. Yeah, no, the animation style is just very familiar. And I'm like, oh, these characters look like characters I've seen in other movies. Like The Incredibles. Like The Incredibles. And then when the, when the credits rolled at the end and it said directed by Brad Bird, I went, that's it. Thank you. You were saying that Annie is Helen Parr-shaped. Oh, yeah. The main character's mom? Yeah, like, that's Helen Parr. Mrs. Incredible. Like, she's like a template for Helen Parr, I feel like. (laughs) Why did everybody sleep on this movie? I don't know. It lost money. Like, some people attribute it to the fact that Quest for Camelot, which is the feature they put out right before this, that it didn't do well. Like, in the middle of production, I think their budget got cut. Because they were like, hey, we lost a butt ton on that quest for Camelot bullshit. Well, I'm glad Brad got to try again. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I guess not every first shot can be the best shot. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. (laughs) You got to get back up on that horrible Hollywood horse. Second hole's the hardest, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Good callback. Nice. High five. High five. (laughs) This brings us to We've Got Names. We do. Playing Hogarth Hughes today, we have... (laughs) I'm sorry. I know. It's his name. It's absurd. Moving on. We have Eli Marienthal. And I was like, I feel like I've seen that name before, but I have no idea where. Guys, he's Stifler's little brother from the American Pie movies. That's perfect. Like when they're watching Jason Biggs on the webcam and the little brother's trying to get over his shoulder like, let me see. It's Hogarth. That's this kid. (laughs) Oh my God. And I think when he was a teenager, he was in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. He's real cute now. He is real cute now. He's a cutie now. Uh Uh-huh. Voicing the Iron Giant today, we have Mr. Vin Diesel. Listen, when people hear Vin Diesel, I know that you're all thinking Fast and Furious, right? Yeah. I do not. I know what you're thinking. You know exactly what I'm picturing. The Pacifier. Yes! (laughs) I always get that movie and the Tooth Fairy mixed up because they put two tough guys in situations where they they are humiliated over and over again by children. Sure. I I, I love it. More of that, please. (laughs) Voicing Dean today, Mr. Harry Connick Jr. Hey, Harry. I hate being just another white woman who's attracted to Harry Connick Jr. (laughs) Okay, listen. He's cute, all right? But he like is. I've only ever seen him live action in like literally one thing. Like I'm sure I've seen him in other things, but the only thing I can pick a live action Harry Connick Jr. out of is his arc on Will and Grace. Oh, come on, Ross. As Grace's like husband yeah. or something. No, I remember what you're talking about. He's in one of your favorite movies ever. I must be blanking on it hardcore because it's just Harry Connick Jr. Well, but... allow me. We are welcoming Harry Connick Jr. back today. He was with us in the Independence Day episode. Ah, here's the thing. <laughs> the physical transformation of Harry Connick Jr. from 1996 <laughs> to the early 2000s. It's impeccable. He beefs up. He <laughs> Bill's out gets more tan. He's kind of white and scrawny in Independence Day. He is. He's Will Smith's pilot buddy that gets, you know, killed on the first flight. Yeah, and then he's a barbecue chip by 2005. <laughs> and in that Louisiana drawl, can you just stand it? Uh, you're right. It's very. He's very crawdad. Uh, voicing Kent Mansley, I work for the government. Yes. We have Christopher McDonald. Welcome back, Christopher McDonald, guys. He's also an early episode person. Yeah. He was in Grease too. He played Goose. Goose. 
as Goose. He wanted them albumins. <laughs> I better get all the Roy Orbisons. <laughs> yeah, he wanted the Roy Orbisons. <laughs> He's also in Flubber. Yes! <laughs> we'll need to talk about Flubber sometime. Yes, we sure will. <laughs> Playing Annie Hughes today, please welcome back Jennifer Aniston. Hey, Jen. <laughs> what was that? Welcome back. She was a fucking weirdo in the last movie we did <laughs> with her in it. Well, yeah, she was in uh, Horrible Bosses. She's Dr. Julia Harris in yeah. Horrible Bosses. She's also the star of Friends. God. <laughs> Which I know that also enrages you. Never compare me to Ross, ever. <laughs> when I tell people my name is Ross and they're like, oh, like from Friends, they go, no. <laughs> no, not like from Friends. Ross is an insufferable human being. Okay, all right, okay. Last but not least, playing General Rogard today. We... General Rogaine? No, Sorry. not General Rogaine. General Rogard. We have John Mahoney. Welcome back! Every... We're welcoming a lot of people back. Yeah. I like it. He was with us when we did Atlantis. He was Mr. Whitmore. Yeah. He's probably most famous for being Martin Crane on Frasier. Which, I mean, I'm sure all of you have seen all of Frasier. No, I am certain that most of you have not seen Frasier all the way through. How do you get 10? Is it 10 or 11? I think it's like 10. How do you get 10 seasons of Frasier? <laughs> like, I've enjoyed the show. The, the, you know, the few episodes I've seen. But like, this is not the late 90s. Frasier got <laughs> 10 seasons. You know what I do like about Frasier? What? His last girlfriend <laughs> is Laura Linney. I know. My wife, Laura Linney. He has good taste. Do you want to go to dinner with me and Laura this weekend? <laughs> sure, yeah. I would love to. Are you going to be able to find a sitter? She's been missing on you. And yes, <laughs> we will be able to find our sitter. All right, you ready to roll? I'm ready. All right, let's get into this. I'm so ready. You guys have to be patient with me because I'm going to like get real manic near the end and then real sad. Sure. So just ride this wave with me. I'm right here. You can hold my hand. <laughs> Absolutely, because I know. I know. How sweet of you. I love you, of course. <laughs> we begin with Sputnik? Question mark? Yeah, it's Sputnik. Did you not see the communist... <laughs> emblem on the side of it? No, I must have missed that. I th or I guess it's the Russian Communist Party. I don't know. The Communist the Communist Party of the Soviet Union of Socialist Republics. Oh, that's a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> Earth, 1957. 1957. <laughs> we are in the middle of the U.S. smarting over the Russians beating them to space. Otherwise known as space race. Yeah. Like, they were trying to get Sputnik into space, we were trying to get into space, and guys, they beat us to the punch. They we, did. We lost. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to do a Ross's History Corner for the Cold War, but, like, <laughs> do some thumbing around while you're listening. I, I mean, th the intricacies of what brings the Cold War to a fruition in the beginning are just, it's so much. Basically... Russia was our allies in World War II, and then we realized they killed a lot of their own people. Uh-huh. And then we were like, okay, let's establish dominance. Let's get to outer space first. And um, It did not happen. And it was a big blow. But you know what? That's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> I mean, probably the most relevant part of that to today's narrative is that there's this intense sense of paranoia. Of course. About the unfamiliar, the unknown. We don't know, like, Americans in this time don't know if Russia's going to bomb them tomorrow, next week, before Christmas. No one's made it to the moon. Yeah, like, like it, it's a sad state of affairs. 
something is positively whooshing towards Earth. Yeah, it looks like a big meteor or something or other. And we begin on Earth off the coast of Maine, a little town called Rockwell. There's a hurricane on. Yeah, a big damn storm. Could you turn down that hurricane? Thank you. This fisherman's boat is caught in the middle of this huge storm, and he's, like, just trying to live. He's just trying to prevent himself from being capsized. His name is Stutz. Is it? Old man Stutz. Earl Stutz. Earl Stutz, yes. Portland Station, the Annabelle. What is your current position? I don't know exactly, Portland. Off the cold somewhere near Rockwell. Wait, the lighthouse. I, I see it. He thinks he sees the lighthouse yeah. off of Rockwell. Yeah, he thinks it's the lighthouse at first, but then, like, it's like, stands up. It's got two lights on it. Like, it, this thing is standing up in the ocean. Think about how terrifying that is. Is it a lighthouse or a gigantic man? Who knows? It's 1957. <laughs> we transition. He gets busted apart, right? Yeah. And we he washes up right by the lighthouse, and I'm like, okay, somebody go help him. <laughs> But, like, whatever. We just transition away to a sunny Rockwell, Maine. We meet Lil Hogarth Hughes. Lil Hogarth, my new rap name. Lil Hogarth? I'm, absolutely. I'm sorry. Continue. I can't believe you said Lil Hogarth. I kind of want to get a frog and name it Lil Hogarth. Why a frog? Because I feel like, what else would you name Hogarth other than a frog or a toad or like a turtle? What kind of sick person would name a kid Hogarth? I don't know, but here he is, Hogarth Hughes. He's nine years old. He's adventurous. He's that shrimpy sort that you could easily run up a flagpole. He's got some great dialogue. I know. He's a very interesting nine-year-old. He's a very quotable little boy. Which also, I feel like he's like more like he's 12. Or 13. He's, like, wise for his years, I think. He does a lot of reading. Yeah. He loves comic books. He's a nerd. And superheroes and, like, alien movies. Can you imagine if we were that age in 1957? We would be so bullied. It's not (laughs) even funny. Like, oh. oh. no. Like, the really horrible type of bullying that ends in the hospital. Yeah. Shit. All because you wear glasses and shit. And, like, I like comics. Yeah. Stop it. Uh. Hogarth's mother, Annie Hughes, is she's a single mother. Uh-huh. She, like, they live on a farm, so probably when Hogarth's dad was around, I think he is no longer with us. I don't know. I we don't... never get any clarification on that. Yeah, I don't know. But, but regardless, I think that he used to farm, and they live on a farm. And farm. Na- and now he's not in <laughs> a farm. He used to live on a farm in Maine. And now he's not here, and so they don't farm. She works at the diner. With her dump truck ass. <laughs> You can, you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> Why are we attracted to the animated characters? Of Brad Bird? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. He comes in with that box, right? Because he's got something in it. Oh. And he wants to keep it. Apparently he, this is a trend with Hogarth. He just brings critters home. And, and he's it, like, Mom, Mom, can I keep it? Pets. Oh, but he's not a pet, Mom. He's a friend. Hogarth, we've got to rent a room this year if we're going to make ends meet. And no one wants to live in a place with shredded upholstery. You'll never know he's there. I'll keep him in a cage. Until you feel sorry for him and set him free in the house. Do you remember the raccoon, Hogarth? Ugh. I remember the raccoon. And uh, he's got a squirrel in a box. <laughs> And it's a restaurant. And you know what squirrels do in unsecured boxes? 
they get out. They get out. I've experienced this firsthand <laughs> through my work at Avian and Exotic Animal Clinic of Indianapolis. The day the squirrel went berserk. No, Carrie, picture me trying to <laughs> grab a squirrel in my lobby. <laughs> also, civilians, if you can't catch the squirrel, it's not your squirrel. <laughs> Directly from the Department of Natural Resources. (laughs) Annie's like over it. She's always over it. Could you imagine if your kid was just bringing any old vermin home to keep as a pet? She's just trying to keep a family together, trying to survive. And like... Her kid is kind of weird. Yeah. And here's the other thing. He doesn't have any friends. So he probably wants like a furry little familiar. Huh. I love how like... (laughs) There's great like throwaway lines in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Like he notices that that squirrel is gone out of the box she's like okay where is it let's look at it and he's like i will go and get him (laughs) because it's not in the box and it is somewhere in the restaurant and as he's walking away looking for the squirrel you can hear one of the other waitresses go huh hold the mustard hold the mayo and you hear annie go why don't you just hold the flavor all together (laughs) (laughs) yes i love great background dialogue guess who's in the diner who? Old man Stutz is here, and he's telling his buddies about the wild fucking night he had. When he saw the giant? When he saw the giant, and he's like, listen. And a, a spaceship of some kind, an unidentified flying object. Unidentified? Well, knowing you, Earl, I'd say it was either whiskey or beer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw it too. I rest my case. (laughs) They're laughing at him, and this is kind of where we meet one of our favorite characters. Dean? Yes. Dean McCopple? McCoppin? McCoppin. Okay, Dean McCoppin. What the fuck? (laughs) I like it. It's a good name. I believe you. What if it is Sputnik? Or a flying saucer from Mars? I bet we could find it. Sorry, kid. I didn't really see anything. But if we don't stick up for the kooks, who will? What's wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? <laughs> I'm going crazy now. Ross, do you like Dean? I like Dean. <laughs> We're not supposed to be attracted to cartoons, but... He's a meme for crying out loud. He's like that, because you know what his persona is based around. He's a beatnik. Yeah. <laughs> he also runs the junkyard. He runs the junkyard by day, and he's a sculptor, and his medium is scrap metal. Annie comes over to the table and like asks him if... Hogarth is bothering him and he starts to act real uncomfortable. Because guess what? <laughs> the squirrel went berserk. No, the uh, squirrel goes up Dean's pant leg. Found your pet. Where? It's my leg, man. The squirrel's in my pants, Hogarth. I'm trying not to wake out here. Don't wake out. Okay. It's heading north now. I'm sorry, kid. I'd like to apologize to everyone in advance for this. And then he just drops his fly to let it out. He apologizes first. Oh, no. He stands up and then just unzips. And that squirrel goes running out of there. And exactly what Annie didn't want to happen today happens today. That night, Hogarth is doing what all kids do when their parents are working late. 
the exact opposite of whatever they told you to do. Exactly. We're doing Twinkies and uh, late night TV, aren't we? Oh no, he has set up a blanket fort in the living room. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't. Don't you remember? Oh yeah. Don't you remember setting up to watch films in the dark? Absolutely. Had to have your fort. Had to have your snacks. He's up way past his bedtime. He's watching those bad alien creature movies. He's watching some Twilight Zone shit. Like I, I feel like. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He's doing absolutely sinful things with snack food. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Can we talk about the Turbo Twinkie? Sure. He's taking a can of whipped cream. Yeah. And like, if you've ever had a Twinkie before, you know there's two little holes in the bottom of a Twinkie where they put the cream in. Exactly. And you are getting way no. too comfortable over hey, there. Hey, just keep talking. And he <laughs> takes the nozzle of the whipped cream can and he sticks it in one of those holes. Mm-hmm. Stop it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop being foul. I, I'm not looking at And you. he's squirting extra whipped cream into this Twinkie and then cramming the whole thing in his mouth. Yep. Stop it. Yep. <laughs> Sinful. You want it right now, I don't you? I do. I do. It'd be great. Oh, you know what I really want, though? What? Oh, I hate you. What? Oh, I want a jam-filled donut. So bad right now. <laughs> you want a donut with jam? Oh, <laughs> I love me a raspberry jam donut. All right, I'm all sorry. right. You got me. You got me turned on. You got me turned on for Stop. food. Stop! I love when he's watching it because like something's going on with a brain and it's moving around in the movie. And he's oh, like, God. "You're gonna get it." And I'm, he's all of us. <laughs> he is. He's all of us. He's gonna be us during October. So the TV starts messing up, and he goes to check the antenna. Which I mean, I've never been the kid with the kind of balls to just walk out on the roof and check the antenna, but I never had to. Yeah, you never had an antenna. I never had to deal with that kind of shit. Not one on the roof. No. And so, like, he goes up there to adjust the antenna, and it is missing. Yeah. Completely missing. And he discovers, via his very good flashlight. Yeah, that's a great flashlight. (laughs) It reaches too far in distance. (laughs) It's one of those really heavy ones. But he can see that something has come through the property. Oh, yeah. Torn a path of destruction. And he gets his BB gun. He gears up. And goes hunting for invaders from Mars. Yeah, he goes to investigate this trail of whatever it was has left behind through the woods. All these downed and damaged trees. Yeah, I wrote, whatever this thing is, it can uproot trees and is outrageously tall. He arrives at, what do they call it? A power grid? Power plant? It's a power station. Power station. That was my third guess. I love that shot where it looks like he's alone in the frame. Uh Uh-huh. And then the giant opens his eyes behind him. And, like, he almost steps on him. Yeah, the giant steps over Hogarth and starts to actually devour pieces of the power station. Yeah, he's eating pieces of the power station. It's yummy. This gigantic alien robot eats metal. It's very cute, kind of. Yeah, kind of. But because he doesn't know how electricity works, this causes him to cause a power outage. Like, huh, it does not bode well for him he, or the entire town. He's getting, like, bad electrocuted. And, like, Hogarth starts getting the blank out of Dodge, and he feels bad for some reason? Yeah. So he goes back to the power station and throws the power switch. There's just one big switch. So simple, even a child could do it. So he takes off. He runs out into the middle of the road just in time to catch his mother's Chevy coming around the bend. See, Iroh, Annie shows up knowing exactly where to find him. No, like she's out looking for him because she came home from work. Her kid is not in his bed. 
And like, she's just going out looking for him in the car. And there he comes right out in the middle of the road. So she's mad. He tries to tell her about the giant, but she doesn't believe him. She oh. believes it to be another tall tale. It's Hogarth. a robot. Just, there really Hogarth. is. And please. And the robot is it's a hundred feet high. Hogarth. And, and it's metal. Stop it. Just, just stop. I'm not. I'm not in the mood. She's so tired. She's had it. She really has. She cannot listen to stories about giant robots right now. She's like, you brought a squirrel into my diner this morning, and then... I had to work a double. And then you went out without my permission. Come home, find your bed empty. In the dark, in the night. I'm just trying to think of every guilt-ridden thing a mother would say in this moment. Absolutely. I would be throwing it all at him. My God. Shame, shame, shame. (laughs) This film is horribly mixed. What do you mean? Like... All of the action sequences are super loud, and all the dialogue is, you almost can't hear it. Oh, I know. I had to keep going up, down, up, down, up, down on my volume. I'm going to have big trouble with it when it comes to the editing bay. I bet you are. (laughs) And we cut to him in class in school. Yeah. And they're watching Atomic Holocaust. His boat. My dad uh, says he's just an old any of those things. What would you know about it, Poindexter? Oh, God. Shh. Don't make me come over there. Hands over your head. Deep low to the ground. Time to duck and cover. The bombs are coming down. Duck and cover. Duck and cover. Duck and cover. <laughs> the laughable cartoon that they're showing these children in class, <laughs> where literally the nuke comes through the school roof, but the girl is safe under her desk. Yes. And it blows up everything around her except for her and her desk. It's absurd. Like, really? We- are, we, we're tr- are we trying to place false sense of security in these children? Yes, A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so large quantities of metal are coming up missing or damaged in, <laughs> in Rockwell. When Dean has taken away that tractor for that old farmer. I don't understand how Dean doesn't have more questions about how this bite came to be. Because, like, isn't Earl standing there? Yeah, old man Stutz. We learn he tells Dean that he told the government about whatever this thing is. And they're sending a whole slew of people to figure it out. He's like, he rang the government. Bring, bring. Hey, uh, we've got a giant metal man taking bites out of our tractors down here. Sure, sure. Can y'all do something about it? We'll be right there. Just sit tight. I really did call the government. Yeah. They're sending someone to take care of the whole thing. Jeez, Earl, you really are crazy. I mean, who in the hell would the government send? Kent Mansley, United States government. It's time to talk about Kent Mansley, I work for the government. Okay, when we first get our shot of Kent Mansley, and he goes, Kent Mansley, work for the government, unexplained phenomena department. Unexplained phenomena department? I want to work for the United States Department of Unexplained Phenomena. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be a fed, why not? It's like the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. Only federal. Oh, God. <laughs> Kent is insufferable. Uh, yeah, I think Kent has issues. I don't know where they come from. I don't know where they stem from, but... I bet it's daddy. Let's put it this way. Every once in a while, things happen that just can't be rationalized in a conventional way. People want to know that their government has a response. I am that response. He takes himself so seriously. He takes his job so seriously. He's very punchable. Yeah, very punchable. I really just want to I want to unseat him. Like he's just the kind of power hungry, power mad 
government employee that you see speckled throughout your film viewing and novel reading lexicon. He's the paranoid G-man. Yeah, he's. you're right. He's a paranoid G-man, absolutely. He arrives on the site of the destroyed power station, and the foreman of the cleanup crew... They show he's showing them one of the things that they found, which was a busted BB gun. Yes, yes. Uh, Hogarth dropped his BB gun out there, and it's got his name on the handle, but it's been broken, so we just see hog hug. Hog hug. <laughs> I love it. Hog hug. Hog hug. Give a hog a hug. Now we get this series of scenes where Hogarth is actively trying to make contact with the giant, as in taking a sheet of metal in the woods under his arms as bait, just waiting for the giant to come out. He's trying to stay awake he's trying to keep his camera up but he falls asleep and when he wakes up who knows how much later the giant is standing over him just (laughs) staring down at him (laughs) waiting for him to wake up watching him sleep (laughs) and he starts booking it he is running for his very life until he gets you know clotheslined by the branch And I love how he gets knocked down, and the giant finally stops chasing after him and just begins to imitate him. Yeah, he's like standing over him like you would look at a bug on the sidewalk. And then he just sits down exactly like he's sitting down on the ground. I love the personality of the giant, because especially here at the beginning of the movie, he's a little baby. He doesn't know what's going on. He's a blank slate. He does not know where he's at. All he knows is that he hungers. And that there's metal here. Yeah. No, no. That is a tree. Rock tree. Get it? That's right! Like an intergalactic robot with the mind of an infant. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. It's like, did they launch him too quickly? Did software not download entirely? I would throw all the money I could. At an origin story? At an origin story for the Iron Giant. Wouldn't it be great? Let's write it! Let's Mm. do it! Honestly, this is where Hogarth starts to wig out because he kind of has a pet robot now. He becomes the luckiest kid in America with his very (laughs) own giant alien robot for a pet. The problem is, is the pet robot wants to follow him home. Indeed, indeed. No, no. Me go. You stay. No following. That will come back to hurt me in a big way. It will come back to hurt us all. Carry <laughs> He's almost home. And, and the giant is still following him. And this is the part where the giant's like, okay, if I'm not going to go home with him, I'm going to have a midnight snack. Yeah. He and tears up the train tracks that are just away from Hogarth's house. And Hogarth's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because you know what decides to come barreling through at that exact moment? A train. A train. This is the cardinal rule of trains in movies. They always come at the worst moment. Yeah. The same is true of pregnant women in movies and television. They always give birth at the worst possible moment. Indeed, indeed. He's trying to put it back together, and, like, he's being such a perfectionist about it. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> Hogarth's like, what, you idiot? Come on! You gotta get out of here! And that train just slams right into the giant. The giant goes flying into a ton of pieces. Oh, he's blown to pieces. Uh, listen, when that train comes screeching to a stop 
and Hogarth sees that the giant is in, he's up there in a million pieces. <laughs> no, he's just scattered about the edge of the railway. And then we get this little, little antenna that comes out of the giant's head. It's a homing signal. It starts blinking blue. And the motherfucker starts putting himself back together. All his parts are being recalled to his head. Like, whatever civilization this thing comes from. I fear and respect them. I fear and respect them too. Because it not only can it defend it and so he not, I'm saying I'm gendering the robot at this point. <laughs> not only he it, that not only can he defend himself, but like obviously you'd think if like the train hit him, he just would have exploded. Yeah. With all the ammunition that's inside of him. Nope. But the but it can protect itself from itself. See, this is why I want an origin story. I'm fucking fascinated. Me too. Me too. Hogarth lets the giant follow him home and put what's left of him in his mother's barn while he puts himself back together. And, like, they're going to sit down to dinner, his mother and him. So they're sitting down to dinner, right? Yeah. And they're getting ready to do their prayer. Because Annie's like, okay, would you say grace? And I don't even believe her. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I was just like, okay, I got to show a good example for my son. Let's let's pray before we eat. And he, she's like, Hogarth, will you say grace? And they bow, they half bow their heads and fold their hands and... In the kitchen behind his mother, <laughs> he sees the giant's detached hand <laughs> creeping through the kitchen. Oh my god. And this prayer, ah! I can't get over it. Oh my god. We uh, thank you for the uh, food that mom has put in front of us. And stop! The, uh, the devil! from doing bad things and uh get out of here uh satan i'm rolling <laughs> this whole scene is a comedy of errors <laughs> because now he's got to get the thing out of the house without mom seeing right yes this is a very bad time for kent mansley i work for the government to knock on the door exactly hey there scout kent mansley i work for the government Hey there, Scout. Kent Mansley, work for the government. Mansley needs to use their phone because he's got to call the general. He's been to the site of the train crash. He's seen what this thing could do. <laughs> More people are saying there's a giant metal man wandering around. Like, you know, you think that you, for, a while, for, for a lot of the movie, you think, you know, Hogarth, and, you know, he's probably, like, one of the only people that's noticing the giant. No. <laughs> Obviously, the conductor's now seen him. And, yeah, other people are like, hey, have you seen that giant metal guy walking around the forest? If you walked out of your house in the morning to your car and there was just a big bite out of your car i'd be calling somebody <laughs> like yeah just maybe not kent mansley so yeah kent mansley i work for the government's here to use the telly he's like bring 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 yeah general rogard you guys gotta get some serious hardware down here but general rogard finds this laughable wouldn't you he's like a giant metal monster if you told me you'd found say uh, a giant footprint I might send over an expert to make a plaster cast of it. Hell, you get me a photograph of this thing and I could probably get some troops over there. But you tell me you've got a feeling. All right then, fine. You want evidence? I'll get you evidence. Rogard isn't gonna send him any support to fight this thing without any significant proof that it even exists. Like the government doesn't need that kind of embarrassment right now. Mm -hmm. The Russians just beat us to space. Like we just, we just got put on our 
ass in front of the world. Uh, yeah, we don't need to be embarrassing ourselves over aliens. This is also about the same time that Kent realizes that the kid's name, the kid that lives in this farmhouse, his name is Hogarth. Hog hug. <laughs> Hogarth? <laughs> what an embarrassing name. Might as well call him Zeppo or something. What kind of a sick person would name a kid Hogarth? He realizes he was near the power station the night the giant showed up, and now is going to be keeping a very close eye on him. This is where Hogarth introduces the giant to some of his favorite comic books. Oh, he's going to read him a bedtime story? Uh Uh-huh. He's trying to pick a comic to read him, and he picks up Superman. And Atomo. Don't forget Atomo. Yeah, the giant can't help but notice that he doesn't look like the good guys in these stories. Yeah, he looks like the bad guys. Here, this guy is Superman. Sure, he's famous now, but he started off just like you. Crash landed on Earth, didn't know what he was doing, but he only uses his powers for good, never for evil. Remember that. He's inexplicably teaching the giant the difference between good and evil with Superman and Atomo. I know. And I love that for the giant. I do too. Um, because uh, we will learn some things about the giant as uh, we continue. So. Oh, God. This The whole theme of this movie, I just, I can't get enough of it. Okay, we got to move on. I love how he stops the giant from going into town because the giant takes one look at town and goes, holy shit, a buffet! <laughs> and starts... <laughs> Trapes and off towards Rock and he's like, no, 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 stop! We can't go there yet. People just aren't ready for you. Humans are very scared, panicky creatures. And the giant's like, I'm fucking ravenous, dude. Like, you need to get me to somewhere there's metal. So Hogarth gets the bright idea to take him to the scrapyard. Macop and scrap! (laughs) This is where Dean lives and works. Because Dean is a junkyard owner by day and a sculptor by night. A scrap sculptor. (laughs) A junk sculptor. Hey, I A metal sculptor. I don't want that attitude, okay? Sure, whatever. He he is an artist, and I respect him. He likes playing with junk, so what? And, like, I love it. They're, like, it's, like, late. It's, like, in the middle of the night. The giant is a giddy puppy with a big (laughs) bowl of kibble. (laughs) He's mowing on this car, and he sets off the car alarm. (laughs) And he's... Hogarth's like, make it stop! It's be- it's loud! And he just, I love how he throws it under his ass and just sits on it, but it only muffles it a little bit. And so he just launches it into space. Yeets it through the air. <laughs> the sound of the car horn getting farther and farther away. That's great Doppler effect. <laughs> <laughs> Dean obviously hears the car alarm and he goes outside. No giant! But Hogarth's, like, right there outside his door. The yin and yang robe. Hey, 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 he's a Taoist. It might be part of that thing. I was going to say, this is a mere 12 years after World War II. Yeah, no, honestly. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. It was a horrible thing. We shouldn't have done it to each other. He, like, lives in a garage. He does. 
And like, it's just got- This little studio. Yeah, it's got art all over the walls. All these projects are sitting around. There's light jazz playing. Dean introduces him to Espresso. This is a mistake. (laughs) This anxious, nerdy kid is sucking down Espresso and tweaking. I was getting good grades, you know, like always. So my mom says, you need stimulation. And I go, no, I'm stimulated enough right now. That's for sure. So she goes, uh-uh, you don't have a challenge. You need a challenge. So now I'm challenged, all right? I'm challenged to hold on to my lunch money because of all the big mooses who want to pound me because I'm a shrimpy dork who thinks he's smarter than them. But I don't think I'm smarter. I just do the stupid homework. If everyone else just did the stupid homework, they could move up from grading at pounded to. Is there any more coffee? <laughs> and like, me too, kid. Me too. I love Dean because, like, Dean's just kind of sitting and they're absorbing all of it. And he's like, fuck those other kids. You you are who you choose to be. Yeah. And that's all that matters. That's all your business and that's all that matters. And I just, I love Dean. So um, Dean meets the giant. Yeah, the giant accidentally makes his presence known. He and Hogarth go outside to investigate the noise. And the giant snatches him right up. Yeah. It's okay, he isn't going to hurt you. <laughs> no! His name is Dean. We like Dean. Dean. We like Dean. Dean. We do like Dean. (laughs) Cross McMichael. Why does he look like that? (laughs) He's my type. God. Oh my God. Just saying. Dean reluctantly allows the giant to stay. He's not happy about it. And thinks it's just going to be one night. It's not. (laughs) It's never just one night, Dean. Come on. I love that Hogarth has been out all night. And he's climbing in his bedroom window to sneak into bed. And right as he's pulling back the cover, his mom comes in and goes, you're already up? And he goes, just making the bed. (laughs) You had nights like those. (laughs) To Hogarth's horror, he comes downstairs for breakfast. And Kent Mensley, I work for the government, is sitting at his kitchen table. No! He's renting the spare room in the farmhouse. Annie... Annie. I know. She needs the extra money, Ross. And she's like, here, strange man, you can move in with my son and I. No, it's not good judgment. No. It's it's not good judgment. Sorry, Annie. But I understand why she did it. So Mansley gets super interrogatory. Yeah, this begins what I call the sport montage. <laughs> sport? Sport? <laughs> hey, where you going? Where you going? This series of clips where Mansley is asking him all these pointed questions with all these inane nicknames attached to them. Now, why would you tell your mom about a giant robot? Try what you see at the power station. Hot Tiger? You tell anyone else about this, buddy? Hey, how big is this thing, Ranger? Been in the forest lately, Hey, where are you going? Champ, Slugger? Hey, cowboy. Where are you going? Where are you going? I'm going out! Well, why don't you take Mr. Mansley with you? Show him the sights. Oh, Mom, the sights! Hey, I'd love that. Give us a chance to get acquainted. Swap some stories, huh, Chief? Okay, I'd like to establish a new segment on kicking and streaming. Sure! Oh. <laughs> oh. Especially if you guys are on like creative circles on Twitter, you've probably seen the meme of Dean with his fists clenched, crying into the sky. Art! Yes, yes. Yes, this is what that is from. Because the thing is, the giant is awake in the junkyard and eating both the scrap metal and his art project. Yeah. There are two kinds of metal in this yard scrap and art. If you gotta eat one of them, eat the scrap. What you currently have in your mouth is art! It's the best line in the movie. He's so upset. <laughs> so, um, 
uh, Annie decides that uh, when Hogarth goes out, he should take Kent Mansley. I work for the government with him <laughs> to show him the sights. I love that we're always referring to him as Kent Mansley. I work for the government. And basically, the only way to get rid of him is for him to sprinkle uh, chocolate laxatives in his milkshake. I love this scene because this is the scene where Mansley really hits that stereotype of paranoid G-man home. I love the line. You think this middleman is fun, but who built it? The Russians, the Chinese, Martians, Canadians? I don't care. All I know is we didn't build it, and that's reason enough to assume the worst and blow it the kingdom come. Now, you are going to tell me about this thing. You are going to lead me to it, and we are going to destroy it before it destroys us. Just hold that thought and stay right there. And here's the thing. He's not the only thing that explodes in that moment. Stop. The laxatives have caught up with him. And that's what allows Hogarth to finally shake him. He finally gets away from Mansley and back to the junkyard, only to find the giant and Dean doing arts and crafts together. When he says it's not dignified for the Iron Giant to be making metal art. (laughs) Hogarth, you want to know what's dignified? Yeah. Not squeezing extra whipped cream into your Twinkie. Yeah, that's not dignified at all, Hogarth. We can all admit to that. So, like, I love this little montage we get of Mansley searching the entire county and, like, having to poop constantly. (laughs) He's having to poop all day. He deserves it. And you know where this little investigation leads him? He finds his camera. He finds Hogarth's camera in the woods. And, like, he he completely seals off the Hughes' bathroom. Yeah. Every bit of light that can come in, it's been sealed off. He's developing the film in the bathtub. And, uh, sorry, Hogarth, he found one, he found a selfie that you took with the Iron Giant. <laughs> like, this, he knows now. This thing's in the picture. He has a picture to send to the government for backup. Uh-oh. <laughs> I love this little point in the plot where we go to the lake. And it's freezing, right? Because, like, we're, like, what? October, November, somewhere in there? We're in Rockwell, Maine in, yeah, in early fall. Yeah. He's turning purple in the water. Did you notice? Yeah, like. Because he's freezing to death. He, The giant watches him do a cannonball into the lake. <laughs> and you know how the giant likes to imitate Hogarth. Yep. The giant makes it so the lake is not in the lake anymore. <laughs> he displaces all the water in that lake. The shot of the truck coming through, like, the highway, and then after it passes, all of the water splashing through, and you can see the fishies <laughs> and all the trees underwater. And then Dean comes around in his sunglasses and his chair. <laughs> he, like, drifts into the middle of the road, and another car comes by. The truck. The truck pulls up. The guy in the truck goes... Hey! Yeah? You're right in the middle of the road! Yeah? All right! <laughs> Just the, yeah. way, the way he's like, yeah! Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> oh no. I know. It, oh no, it's, a, I know. it's about to get real serious. So the Hogarth, the Hogarth. I almost said the Hogarth and Giant. Yeah, I know. So Hogarth and the Giant witness some hunters shoot a deer. A, a wonderful little, a little deer. You spot a little brook. <laughs> oh, no. Don't Bam! A bullet rips through your fucking head. This is so sad. How dare you bring that up at a time like this? Our first kicking and streaming coverage. <laughs> Marissa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. Like, this is 
so cruel. They give us this little scene where the deer is like sniffing the giant's and the finger. Giant, yeah, the giant's like, oh, this is deer. This is deer. Yeah. And then it runs off and gets shot and they find it dead. But like the giant is like poking at it. And it's like, what's wrong with it? Don't do that. Why? It's dead. Understand? They shot it with that gun. This movie gets real existential real fast. And like, we have to teach him what the concept of a gun is, how it can kill. Guns kill. It's bad to kill, but it's not necessarily bad to die. What the concept of death is? I don't think the giant understands death for very good reasons. Well, he's not alive, right? But but like he is alive. He has sentience and everything. Like Hogarth's trying to explain it to him. He's like, you're made of metal, but you have feelings and you think about things. And that means you have a soul and souls don't die. Mom says it's something inside of all good things and that it goes on forever and ever. It's, it's very Casper. Yeah. The whole movie is patting me on the hand about death. And he's like, you have emotions and thoughts and feelings, which means you have a soul. And souls can't die. Like, this movie's so deep. I know. I like, why it gets real deep here in the middle. And I'm like, I wrote this movie, I swear. This giant metal baby has a soul and I won't hear otherwise. Mansley? Traps Hogarth? In the barn? Oh, this scene's whack. He does the full light bulb routine. Like, where were you on the night of the 25th? Interrogates him yet again, presents him with evidence created by him of him with the giant. And, like, the worst part is that he threatens Hogarth's mother. My mom? Uh, it's difficult to raise a boy all alone. We could make it more difficult. In fact, we could make it so difficult that it would be irresponsible for us to leave you in her care. And all that that implies. You'll be taken away from her, Hogarth. You can't do that. Oh, we can. And we will. He threatens to take him away from Annie. And when he goes, you can't do that. And Mansley goes, we can. And we will. That, you know what? I move that we abolish our current national motto. Oh, no. And replace it with the United States of America. We can. And we will. I mean, you're not wrong. It made me think of the moment. I'm sorry. It made me think of the moment. In the Netflix documentary Wild Wild Country, uh-huh. when Swami Prendaren <laughs> says, if the U.S. government decides they're going to get you, they will eventually get you. Eek! That's what it called back. I was like, we can and we will. And like, you know, you remember how this whole scene ends? Mansley knocks him out with chloroform. Yeah, he chloroforms him and takes him to bed. Yeah, Hogarth comes too, and Mansley's already been on the phone with the general. Summoned to the armed forces and everything. The army is coming, and he's got to warn Dean, but Mansley's not going to let him leave the house. This whole scene where their bedrooms are literally across the hall from each other. Yeah. So they're just like sitting in each other's bedrooms in the dark, staring at each other. Waiting for the other one to fall asleep. (laughs) And like, who gives out first? First, Mansley. Obviously. Yeah, Mansley comes to and he sees what looks like Hogarth in his bed, but then Hogarth walks in front of the doorway and goes, good morning. (laughs) He realizes that Hogarth has been out of the house, and before he can do anything about it, Annie comes up to him and goes, For some reason, the army is in our front yard, Mr. Mansley. Please, call me Kent. 
assemble all the army hardware, the trucks, the tanks, the troops, the general, Kent, and the Hughes, down to the scrapyard. And Mansley's immediately like, where's the giant? And Dean's like, oh, the giant? Sure. I'll show you the giant. He's in the back. You guys got here just in time. This rich cat, you know, some industrialist, who wants him for the lobby of his company. He whipped out his checkbook right on the spot. I said, hey, you got him for the rest of your life. But what, I got to let go the moment I give birth? I mean, come on. <laughs> what Dean has done is he's disguised the Iron Giant as a sculpture. <laughs> like one of his art sculptures. And like the, those doors <laughs> open and he's like, this guy wants him for like the lobby of his hotel. Yeah. Like it's a big damn deal. And you brought the army? Sheesh. And... <laughs> The way Mansley is panicking behind the eyes. And then the step outside, Mansley. Cut to General Rogard ripping him a new asshole. You realize how much hardware I brought out here? You just blew millions of Uncle Sam's dollars out of your butt. You'll be Chief Inspector of Subway Toilets by the time I'm finished with you. Now pack up. I'll expect you back in Washington to clear out your office. Yes, sir. <laughs> like Hogarth's just sitting at the window, watching it, a pleasant little smile on his face. This is, I think, where we see that and Annie kind of likes Dean. Oh, yeah. If I were Annie, I'd be into Dean. Probably. He's he, different. He's different. He's an artist. He rides a Harley Davidson motorcycle. The kid likes him. I could dig it. You know. She likes his art. She thinks it's very nice. Uh, Jack, this is exquisite work. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, no. Oh, God. So General Rogard fires Mansley. We get this cut to where, you know, Hogarth and the giant, uh, Hogarth's trying to play around. Yeah, the army is gone. The threat is over. We're just trying to play around. And uh, the giant doesn't want to play a Tomo with him. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a Tomo. He doesn't want to be the bad guy. And um, he wants to be Superman. A Tomo. No, a Tomo. When he pulls that S out of that scrap sign, that gigantic <laughs> circular S, and puts it on his chest, puts his hands on his hip, his hips, air quote <laughs> hips, and goes, Superman. I just, I... I know. I was like, you choose who you are. You choose who you want to be. But... This goes very badly because Hogarth's got a little toy, like, laser pistol. Yeah, that spins and sparks. It looks really fun. It does, but not to the giant. The giant is, no pun intended, triggered. As I was saying, take this! What happened? What that Shh, stay down and follow me. So the giant has this mechanism within it to defend itself. The sight of a weapon can trigger this giant to uh, begin to arm itself. It's like it's like he goes into the opposite of the Avatar state <laughs> with the red <laughs> eyes, yeah. and he's just trying to kill everyone. And like he's not even really aware of it. The giant, yeah. Like, it's just like autopilot. And were it not for Dean having impeccable reaction time, Hogarth would have been atomized. It turns out the giant can be extremely dangerous. <laughs> it's not all smiles and cannonballs in the lake. And the, once he snaps back to normal after Hogarth gets his attention again, just the way that, you know, because, like, 
Dean's yelling at him. He's like, look at what you did. You almost did that to Hogarth. It was an accident. He's our friend. He's a piece of hardware, Hogarth. Why do you think the army was here? He's a weapon. A big gun that, that walks. I, I, I'm not gun. Yeah? What's that, huh? You almost did that to Hogarth. And the way he goes, I, I, I not gun. I'm not a gun. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, the way it starts to snow when the giant runs away because he's so ashamed at almost hurting little Hogarth. Uh-huh. The giant exposes himself to the entire town not too long after leaving Hogarth's company. <laughs> some, dumb, some dumb kids, because it's 1957, are on top of a building in town with binoculars and they can see the fucking giant and they fall off the top of the building because they're leaning over too far. It's walking away. Hey, give me those. Over there. See it? See it? The monster. Holy God. It's very desperate. And like, he just hears them screaming. (laughs) I wrote, great job, 1957. (laughs) And they're hanging from this building and the giant swoops in to save them. But guess what? The street's full of people. And he puts that kid down, and he's staring at the way he's looking around at everybody. He's kind of got a little bit of a grin. Uh He goes, I am not a gun. I love it so much. Good for you. So the army arrives to destroy (laughs) the Iron Giant. Yeah, you think they wouldn't miss the giant robot standing up in the middle of the city. They almost did. They were almost out of (laughs) county. But they looked in their rearview mirrors and saw the giant in town. How could you not? And, like, Hogarth is in the giant's hands. And the army starts shooting at him. And Dean throws his hands up and says, whoa, 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 he's got a kid. And he, t- he tells Kent, he's begging Kent to tell the general not to shoot. But instead of doing that, what does Kent do, Ross? Kent tells the army the giant killed Hogarth. Like, what is his problem? I, I, he needs to be in control. I love the little, Mr. President, we have a situation. <laughs> So now the armed forces are going to just occupy this coastal area of Maine. We mobilize the Air Force. I'm talking, yeah, Air Force. There's Navy. There's submarines out there, goddammit. Like, they have the whole army come in. You know the Coast Guard's there. The Marine Corps, mm. Was the mm just for the hot Marines? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Serve and protect. Mm. Um, so these planes, these planes start chasing the giant. They chase him over a cliff with Hogarth in his hands. But what do we discover, Carrie-Anne? The giant has jet propulsion feet. You can fly? You can fly! Try pointing your arm straight ahead, like Superman! giant can fly and hogarth's like stretch your arms out like you're superman oh it's about to hurt me ross yeah because unfortunately the giant gets shot out of the sky great air force we've got there and it he literally he drops hogarth like right at the last second and he slams into the snow and he can't find him so now he really does think he's hurt hogarth he sees his limp little body laying not too far away from him he's he's just unconscious he's poking at him like the dead deer because he won't wake up Uh uh-huh So now he thinks he's really hurt Hogarth and he's dead now. And um, the the army, they're always so quick, that army. Yeah. They pull up to where they've shot him down and they just begin to fire at him because he's still upright. And guys, uh, 
I don't know what this thing is. <laughs> the the giant transforms. All his shoulders come up, his head goes down. All of these guns come out of the back of his shoulders. He looks like something out of War of the Worlds. Yeah, no, the three like the three alien-like antennas. Yeah, like that are just shooting lasers and vaporizing cars, and like he's big, scary now. Very big, scary. Very H.G. Wells. Giant just turns into a death machine. And, like, they throw everything they have at this robot, and nothing is bringing it down. This is where Camp Mensley, I work for the government, suggests that we nuke the robot. Nuke the robot. And, uh, you know, General General Rogard's like, hey, so, like, nuke ourselves? <laughs> you scare me, Mansley. You want us to bomb ourselves in order to kill it? General, the giant seems to follow whatever attacks it. We can lure it away from the town, then destroy it. Radio the Nautilus. Tell him to target the robot and await my command. And the Nautilus, like, boots up. It's like, where's the giant at? And it locks the missile onto the giant's location. So no matter what happens, when that missile fires, it's hitting the giant. Yeah. Dean and Annie are driving Hogarth to the hospital. When he comes to in the cab of the truck, and he's yelling at them to take him back, and they get to the center of town, and they get out of the truck, and Hogarth runs right out there to the giant. Nobody in the military stops him, nobody with a gun. He just runs right out there. He puts himself between the Navy (laughs) and the Iron Giant. He's right there on the beach, and the giant points his gun at him. It's so long, and it's, it's one of those guns that has to boot up before it kills. You. Like an Independence Day. Uh, yeah. He's like, hey, it's me. It's fucking Hogarth, okay? <laughs> it's bad to kill. Guns kill. And you don't have to be a gun. You are what you choose to be. You choose. Choose. Hogarth. And then just kind of just unlocks, unclenches. All the guns go away and everything. He's so horrified. Annie and Dean are trying to get the the army to recognize that this thing's not really bad. We just, like, triggered it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and Hogarth's like, don't panic, don't panic. We just got to show him that he's good. And so the giant picks Hogarth up, and they start walking towards the town. And, and we're coming to my favorite couple of lines Sure, here. sure, sure. And Mansley proceeds to freak out. Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Hogarth! Hold your fire! The boy's alive! It's a trick! Launch the missile! Are you mad, Mansley? All units, stand down! Mansley grabs the walkie-talkie out of the general's hand. Launch the missile now! I think about this moment from this movie once a week. (laughs) Easily. Because the giant is standing in the middle of Rockwell. Yes. The army is staring it in the face. And the general yanks Mansley to one side and goes, That missile is targeted to the giant's current position! Where's the giant, Mansley? We can duck and cover. There's a fallout shelter right there. There's no way to survive this, you idiot! You mean... We're all going to to die, Mansley, for our country. Where's the giant, Mansley? Where's the giant, Mansley? (laughs) And he's like, we're all going to die, Mansley, for our country. Screw our country. I want to live. He tries to take off. Yeah, that motherfucker tries to sneak off. He just ended the world, and now he's like, I want to live. Where's he going to drive to? Stupid little piss bitch. 
Okay, I need you all to let me be emotional for the next few minutes. Oh, God. Sure. Sure. I'm getting ready to cry just thinking about it. All right. All right. Let's take me through it. The mood dips real fast because death is imminent. Yes. They're all going to die. (laughs) The Nautilus has fired the missile. It's going to go up, 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 and then it's going to go down, 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 down. And Annie's like, should we, like, get somewhere safe? And Dean's like, it's not going to matter. We're all about to die together. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Duck and cover. (laughs) Duck and cover. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Everybody get under a school desk. And, you know, the giant's like, what the fuck? What's going on? And then Hogarth's like, listen, when that thing comes down, we're all going to die. The giant knows that word. It knows what death is. And somehow he knows that this missile is targeted onto him. Yeah. Somehow he knows. (laughs) He's staring into the sky and he goes, I fix. Oh, no. Yeah. I can fix that. Yeah. (laughs) I can fix that. He kneels down to Hogarth, and he goes, Hogarth, you stay. I go. No following. No following? No no following. Stop. Stop. No crying. No crying on the... Your eyes have actual tears in them. And, like, the giant is gonna is getting ready to take off, and, like, Hogarth's just staring at him, and he just says, I, I love, love you. you. I love you. Oh, Carrie, stop. And, like... <laughs> He takes off into the stratosphere and he looks like Superman. He's got his arms out. He's gonna he's gonna collide with this missile head on. <laughs> We're gonna take 30 seconds for Carrie to get it together. <laughs> you are who you choose to be. Nuke hits him right in the face. Oh, my God. All I'm saying here at the end is they still would have been fucked. You think so? Yeah. (laughs) If they weren't quite in space. I mean, they were out of the atmosphere. But, like, not even. Like, we can't just shoot a nuke into the out of the atmosphere and expect it to come back. (laughs) We have to traject things within the atmosphere. I don't think it's an actual nuke. I think it's just a really, really big missile. They still would have died. I know it's just, I know it's a movie, but oh. going on. It oh. lights up the sky real pretty, but his friend is now gone. Oh, the tears. The big, ugly baby tears. We get a little time jump. What do you think? It's like six months later, a year later? It's something. It says so on the screen, but I can't remember. <laughs> they have this statue of the Iron Giant with Lil Hogarth in his hand. <laughs> And it says, there's a plaque on it that says, you know, dedicated to the memory of the Iron Giant from the citizens of Rockwell, Maine. I mean, the giant did save them. Yeah. Saved their whole existence. Yeah. And I'm like, please tell me this made the papers. Right? Like, (laughs) don't tell me the government shut something else down (laughs) and is poisoning the townspeople to keep them from talking. (laughs) Like poisoning the water? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. And, like, we we see that Dean and Annie are together, and they and Hogarth are, like, a cute little new family. Yeah. Hogarth's got friends He's now. got some friends, yeah. <laughs> 
And like we learned that the only piece of the giant that was ever recovered was the screw for his jaw. Uh-huh. And the general sent it to Hogarth. Yeah. He, he thought Hogarth should have it. And I, I'm like, I'm glad they gave him the screw, but why not just a t-shirt that says, the government murdered my best friend. Yeah. And all I got was this stupid t-shirt. <laughs> but I get it. Also, why don't I get a Kent Mansley, I work for the government wrap-up here? What happened to Kent Mansley? I want to see the newspaper coverage of his trial. I want to see him behind bars. He was tried for crimes against humanity, right? He drugged a child. He drugged a child and he tried to kill an entire town. I I, I, mm, I can't. One night, the screw wakes Hogarth up out of a deep sleep. It's beeping and blinking. It's trying to get out the window. You know what that means. He's alive. He's alive somewhere. He cannot be destroyed. And Hogarth opens the window and the screw just like boop falls in the grass and starts rolling away. Yeah. He's waving goodbye to it. See you later. And then we get like this flash cut to like Reykjavik, Iceland. Yeah. Something, a complete wasteland. And all of these iron giant parts are making it back to his head. And then we see his lifeless corpse, and as we pan up to it, his eyes open and he smiles. He's putting himself back together! He's not been destroyed! I want both an origin story and a sequel. Guys... I'm sorry I cried. She did. She legitimately cried. Full on <laughs> tears coming out of her face. I hated her so much. Flames on the side of my face. I cried so hard. Cried so hard. Tears pouring out of my eyes. Yes, you just, I get it. it it's a lot because you're like, aw, he's good. He chose to be good. He had not been, quote, human very long and he's still he's better he's better than all of us i can't stop a missile <laughs> he is better than me the iron giant for president uh you know what guys iron giant 2024 let's find him you know he's walking around somewhere in iceland and just no one's noticed him yet oh god but i just i really i really wanted that to be the movie we ended july on because it's just it's such a boop on my brain. Yeah, it is. It oh, is. Just a boop of serotonin. I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. I love it. Like, I just, that is one of those underappreciated animated movies that will always be classic. It's a great story. It's a great kids movie. It's funny. It's, it's pleasing to me. Yeah. It's pleasing to the eye. I don't know why. I just don't know. I, I know it's not, I know the animation style isn't that advanced, but like, it's still like good. Like they do a great job with it. It was one of it was, I think, the first animated feature where the titular character was all CG, like all computer generated. Like this, like these, like they just these characters just give great face. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's great. And it really makes me sad that like Iron Giant is there near the end of the 2D animation films. Mm -hmm. Like, right after the 2000s, we stopped seeing movies like that. Okay, how about this? In the third Incredibles installment. (laughs) When it happens. Yes. I want the Iron Giant to show up. (gasps) Let's connect the universes. Oh my god! Let's do it! Like, come on, Brad Bird, get on it! (laughs) Let's team up the superheroes and the Iron Giant and save the universe. (laughs) 
have Get so- Mike Knoll on the phone. We have so Get much- Mike Knoll on the phone. Mike, let's write some movies. Equalizers mobilize. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to that rebroadcast. If you did, if you didn't, that's fine also. But just, guys, remember, look out for the rest of this month. Look out for JFK on main feed. Look out for our special preview of our Lord of the Rings coverage on main feed. If you have not subscribed to our Patreon yet, please go over there just for $5 a month. You get access to all of our bonus content, our bloopers, our shooting the shit, our movie-going experiences. We did a whole series on Mad Men, on Golden Girls, on our experience with both The Exorcist and The Exorcist Believer, which may still be in theaters. I don't know, but go on over there and check it out. It's a great time, and we love you guys for supporting us. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week with JFK.